are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on just another gorgeous day here in Auburn and Opelika. It is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird back in the studio on this Tuesday afternoon. Our intern Jenny over running the boards, answering the phone. She's back in the studio as well. I was lonely yesterday since you both decided... You were too good to work on a Monday, and so I... Uh... <laughs> You're making that into something it never was. Oh, no, no, no. Jenny's, I was... Jenny's not here that often on a Monday. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty rare that Jenny is here on a Monday. Maybe, I was just hoping that since Carter ditched me, Jenny would make up for it, but that's okay. It's odd. It is what it is. We held down the fort Jenny, here. Don't, don't let him make you feel bad. <laughs> we already do that enough on her uh, Georgia Tech fandom. And so, uh, no, everybody back in the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Lots to talk about today. Uh, we'll talk about what it is a big week for recruiting and transfer portal recruiting. For Auburn basketball, Auburn football as well. We'll talk about all that coming up in just a few minutes. Carter, we'll talk some more about the rule changes in college football. I had a really, really good conversation about it yesterday. And then uh, that was only about one of them. There's another one that the SEC has talked about that has got SEC fans all riled up for college football. So we'll talk about those coming up in a little bit here in hour number one. Then, in hour two, we'll talk some more Auburn basketball news and look at the Auburn football 2023 schedule and what the predictions are looking like right now based off of the ESPN FPI. So <laughs> that's what's coming up this week, or that's what's coming up today uh, here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. No guests, so you know what that means. The phone lines are wide open for you, our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334 1390 anything on your mind in the sports world anything we're talking about that you want to jump in on and be a part of the conversation we'd love to hear from you that number is 334-321-1390 carter's good to have you back in the studio man let's jump into this on this tuesday edition of on the line some big names on campus for official visits when it comes to auburn basketball and auburn football we'll start with basketball where matthew cleveland is on campus today for auburn basketball cleveland is the Florida State transfer, uh, he should be on campus today, possibly tomorrow, uh, for his official visit. Uh, he was their leading scorer last season at almost 14 points a game. And the three finalists in his recruitment and the transfer portal are Auburn, Miami, and Missouri. Yeah, I think that this would be a, a good addition for Auburn. I think he's a very good player. Uh, his stats are... Are pretty good from this past year. He averaged 13.8 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. He was 35% from three, 44.5% from uh, the field. Uh, a 6'7 guy who can kind of play that three position, um, that, that position that I still, we haven't heard anything about it, but 
I still am not entirely sure Alan Flanagan's going to be on this team next year. I don't see that happening with his dad leaving and going to Ole Miss. And uh, I think maybe you could see him explore that or maybe even a um, some sort of professional option as well. Um yeah, I just I don't see I don't see Flanagan being on this team. I just don't. I really don't. Yeah, I just don't feel like a, a, enough stuff is is, um, I guess set up for him to to come back. I mean, there's there's been you've already landed Ch- Chaney Johnson. You're pursuing Matthew Cleveland. You're pursuing Jalen Tyson. Uh, you're pursuing other players for that kind of three position. And if you start landing people, I think you start knocking Alan Flanagan down a peg on the depth chart. And then I think there's, even if he were to come back somehow, I think that there may be a clear statement message being sent that, hey, either leave or your your role is going to to drastically change. Well, something that I've talked about with, with Alan Flanagan, let's be honest, folks. Auburn can upgrade from Alan Flanagan. You can do better than Alan Flanagan with the guys in the transfer portal right now. I just believe that. I really, really do. And it's not taking away anything that Alan Flanagan did during his time at Auburn because we know what he was his freshman year before he got hurt. And we know that he is has not been the same since that injury. He got closest to it this past year, but he's still not what Auburn needs long-term at that position. And I just, I truly believe that Auburn basketball can upgrade from Alan Flanagan. And so going and getting a guy like Cleveland, who, listen to some of these things, Auburn fans are like this. He's six foot seven, right? He's a six foot seven wing. He was the number 25 overall prospect in the class of 2021. He's from Atlanta, so shocker that Bruce Pearl has had conversations with him, right? He's, he's out of Florida State, but he's a, a kid from Atlanta. He was a double-digit scorer. We talked about that, 13.8 points per game. He improved his three-point shooting, 35% from downtown. Pretty solid, right? 35%. Auburn fans would love a guy that could shoot 35% from the three-point line consistently and averaged over seven rebounds a game. So this guy... Averages double digits, can shoot from three, and will crash the boards at the same time. That's big time. I mean, that's a big time guy that can step in and be a day one starter or even be a role player for Auburn at the three position who's athletic and who can shoot. And he was doing that on a not-so-good Florida State squad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that he... Maybe the one knock would be defensively, which I do wonder... When you're on a team that is really, really bad and is consistently getting beat handily, how does that affect the the willingness for a player like Matthew Cleveland to step up and play consistent defense? I mean, you don't love to have to ask that question, but I do think that there could be some some reality that, that being on a really bad team could affect that. It could, but I think at the same time, we know that anybody on a Bruce Pearl coached team, you better be able to play defense. And if yes. you don't play defense, you're not going to play. Because well, look at Wendell Green. Well, <laughs> that's fair. That's but vice versa is is uh, Zeb Jasper, who 
did not yes. score at all, but he was in strictly for his defense at the guard position. So, yeah, Wendell wasn't the best defender, but Auburn sometimes made up for it. But, yeah, I think if there is one thing with Matthew Cleveland, it would be the defensive side. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's almost a – if you're Bruce Pearl and Auburn – you have to get to a point, especially what we saw this past season, where the offense was so bad, was so bad. There has to be a time where you risk defensive greatness to yep. get better on offense because Bruce Pearl has always had a good defense. Like the last few years, this team has been really, really good defensively, but this past year, Auburn couldn't score. That's the problem. You could hold a team to 50 points, but Auburn at times couldn't score 50 points. And so I think with... It got better at the end of the year. It when, did. When the offense started to liven up, when you started to see guys like Katie Johnson start to fill it up from deep. Well, heck, I mean, you actually saw Janai Broom become yeah. a, a, an effective three-point shooter, I think. That's is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't uh, technically it's right, <laughs> but I don't. Well, I'm not I don't like it. Good, but I think effective to the point that you have to respect. Right, it. he started hitting them enough to where the defense would have to at least respect the fact that he was on the three point line. But I don't know. I just think where where we're at with Auburn basketball. You look at a guy like Cleveland. You look at a guy like Jalen Tyson from Texas Tech, who's expected to visit later on this week uh, with new assistant coach coming in from Texas Tech, those guys are really, really good offensively. Jalen Tyson uh, shoots about 40% from the three-point line, so Auburn fans love that sign. Yes, I just think at some point, I'm okay as somebody who watches Auburn, covers Auburn, and, and cheers for Auburn. I'm okay if we take a step back on the defensive pressure to get better on the offensive end of the floor. I'm okay with that because you just saw so many times where how many times did we say if Auburn just scores 65 both? points a game? Well, yeah, both? I'm because fine with that. I think I think if you had to make me choose between Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Tyson right now, I'm picking Jalen Tyson. Yes. Because I think that on this Bruce Pearl team, I think one, I think he plays better defense. He's a better free throw shooter. He's better from three he's 40 percent from three yeah I'll, I'll take that I'll take that let's space the floor a little bit let's get a I mean he's maybe an inch shorter than than Matthew Cleveland some places I think he is listed at six seven but I mean absolutely both of these guys help this roster they're they're pieces that complement what you have coming back what you have already added and I think it you, when you look at it, I think um, they both would be upgrades in my, in my mind. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I can't remember. I think it was on Friday. I believe it was when I was sitting in on the drive with Dan Peck. We had a caller that asked us the question about why does Bruce Pearl go after smaller school guys in the transfer portal, right? You look at a Denver Jones who came from FIU. You look at Wendell Green or Zeb Jasper, right? Those guys have come, Janai Broom, they've come from smaller programs. Well, here's your answer. Here's your response to that. You're looking at guys like Chaney Johnson, who's from UAH, right? Now you have two guys who are going to be on campus with Matthew Cleveland from Florida State and Jalen Tyson from Texas Tech. Those are Power Six conferences in yeah. college basketball. The ACC is terrible. I'll give you that, but it's a Power Six conference. And Jalen Tyson has, has 
historically been a pretty good basketball program. They've been a, a consistently solid program. They yeah, really have. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they made the Elite Eight a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And so you have him, and then you have Jalen Tyson, who shot 40% from three in the Big 12, which is arguably the best conference in college basketball. Yes. So you're going after guys from these bigger schools and bigger conferences. But my answer to that question from the caller on Friday was, I think it's a, it's, there's a combination of things, but I think it's Bruce Pearl trying to go and find diamonds in the rough. And I don't mean that in a bad way to those schools or players that are at those schools, but you're going and finding the, the hidden gems, the hidden superstars at those schools. And a guy like Denver Jones that's already signed, sealed, and delivered for Auburn is one of those guys. I mean, FIU's Denver yes. Jones is going to be a dog here at Auburn. He is going to be it for Auburn in the backcourt. Look, I think Auburn's going to go add two guys to play that three position. Um, I think you got a pretty good chance that one of them, at least one of them, is will be Jalen Tyson or Matthew Cleveland. I know that this staff is after other players. I know that there are players that they really, really like in the portal, and they're going to pursue them heavily. And if it works out, we're talking about an Auburn team that could be a top 15 team in this upcoming season. And I think we're talking about the building blocks potentially being in place. If you hit a couple home runs here in the 24 class, we'd be talking about a top 10, potentially top 5 team in 24-25. Talent-wise, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's there's a chance for Auburn basketball to to really build this thing out for 2023 and for 2024. I certainly like the direction that Auburn basketball appears to be going in compared to, say, a team across the state. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Another incident with Alabama basketball. I mean, it's just they can't we, get out of their are, own way. We are talking about a pattern now. Yeah. A le- legitimate pattern. It's they're, not a coincidence anymore. We're talking about four separate instances with somebody who either was coming into the Alabama program, somebody in the Alabama program at the time, or multiple people as the inc- incident uh, with the murder of Jamia Harris in January, or somebody who just left the program. Because we saw that as well. We've seen with Josh Primo in the Spurs. There's four instances now that I think, and to my knowledge, I don't know of another program. I don't know of another program in collegiate sports that has had four instances like that in what? three years two and a half years yeah it's wild it's wild it really is and and luckily you know Auburn is not in a situation like that but you don't want any program to be in a situation like that I mean it's just but you're you're right you're starting to see a pattern I'm I I think you have if you are an objective observer of the Alabama basketball program and Nate Oates I think it's absolutely reasonable to wonder who are you bringing into the program who are you bringing on Alabama's campus yeah yeah and that's that's the bigger picture is who are you bringing to the campus of the University of Alabama where there are 
what, 50,000 students or something? I mean, there's, I don't know how many the number is exactly, but there's a lot of students there. I mean, there's 30,000 students at Auburn, and they just upped the, the attendance at Auburn. But there's a lot of students on the campus of the University of Alabama. and It's almost 40,000. 40,000. Okay, my apologies. But still, I mean, that's a lot of people that if you're bringing guys on campus that could be potential threats because they're getting caught up in situations where they have been or could have been threats to others yeah you're you're questioning who's coming on campus who's joining this team and this program and you're starting to question what Nate Oates is looking for in players to bring to Alabama hey and I mentioned it last week head-to-head in the transfer portal this cycle Auburn was two and one against Alabama Cheney Johnson Denver Jones the loss was Jaquan Walton, who's now not even going to Alabama. So you can now say Auburn's 2-0. Oh, I, 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 I don't even know what, what category you would put Jaquan Walton in at this point in time. You know who Alabama didn't get? Was Yoan Treor. Did you see where he ended up? Uh, go Gauchos? Aren't they the <laughs> UC, UC Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. Yeah, how, yeah, what about that? Yoan Treor going from Auburn, receiving interest from Alabama, and ending up at UC Santa Barbara. And nothing against UC Santa Barbara, but... They made the tournament. They did. And, and look, one of everybody's uh, favorite upset picks. and then That didn't happen. That happened at no, all. I don't think so. And then... Look, here's the thing before we get to break. Here's the thing about Yoan Treor going to UC Santa Barbara. People can see the potential in what Yoan Treor can be. Like, there's a reason he was a very highly rated recruit. There's a reason he came to Auburn. And there's a reason that Bruce Pearl and other big-time programs wanted him. He just was not ready. He wasn't ready. And he may never be. But he very well could be. Athletically, there's potential. I'm not I'm not sure how just skilled of a basketball player he is. We're about to find out. We're about to find As, out because he's going to a smaller program and a smaller if, conference. If people really saw from from his time at Auburn, if people really saw this sky high potential, he wouldn't be going to UC Santa Barbara. Which is fair. Which is fair, but maybe it's an opportunity for him to get a little bit more comfortable because what happened when he checked into a game for Auburn? It was deer in the headlights. I mean, it was just, you could not trust. Bruce Pearl couldn't even trust to put him in the game. And so maybe he's able to go to UC Santa Barbara and be a little bit more comfortable in a smaller environment, a smaller program, a smaller conference, build up some confidence and become that player that Bruce Pearl thought he might become. We wish the best of luck to him. I just thought it was interesting that Treyor transferred from Auburn had interest from schools like Alabama, and ended up at UC Santa Barbara. So all the best of luck to him. we got to get to our first break here in hour number one. We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open all show long. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more transfer portal and recruiting when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. We're talking recruiting and transfer portal uh, for Auburn basketball and for Auburn football because uh, Terry called in yesterday, one of our uh, very uh, loyal listeners and callers here on the show, and we had a little bit of a chance to talk about this yesterday, Carter, but I think it's important for us to to talk about it a little bit more for anybody that missed it. Terry asked us, and it's not the first time we've heard this, he asked us why the transfer portal for Auburn football in this spring portal window has been less chaotic and it almost seems slow compared to what we've seen in other yep. transfer portal windows and what we thought was going to happen in this 15-day period. And if you don't remember, it opened up on April 15th. It closes on April 30th. That is Saturday. No, Sunday. Excuse me. That is Sunday for this spring transfer portal window. And it was moved up. It used to be May 1st to April or May 1st to May 15th. And it's now April 15th to April 30th. And so we were talking about why it has been less chaotic. I think it's the best way to put it because we expected it to be pretty wild, not just here in Auburn, but across college football, and it just hasn't been, and there are multiple reasons for that, I think. I mean, there are multiple, multiple reasons on why it's just been a little less crazy than what the expectations were. I think were. It's, starting, it's starting to heat up a little bit. We've, we've seen uh, some, some more quarterbacks hit the portal. We've seen some more receivers hit the portal, I think. Um, I think this, I think we can chalk it up a little bit to how these coaches may be handling this right now with trying to keep battles alive to make their guys think they still have a chance or are less likely to transfer. Um, there was so much movement in the January portal that I think it's just this portal period was always going to pale in comparison to the early portal period. Now, moving the window up, has absolutely affected this. There's guys that just want to go through their springs and then evaluate it. I think that's what you're starting to see a little bit. I mean, look at the two Colorado receivers hit the portal after their spring game on Saturday. And then you've got the Notre Dame quarterback who just hit the portal. You've got all of these guys. Yeah, I saw that today. The portal. I am curious. Tyler Puckner... The Notre Dame quarterback, I saw Brandon Marcello put out there that he expects, once his name is officially in the portal, that Auburn and Alabama will be interested in him. How do you feel about that? I don't. I think Tyler Buckner is a better player than he got credit for this past year. I think he was on a not very good offense. Now, I don't love Auburn's chances if they get in a battle with Alabama. And and that's not even so much because I think I think the path to playing time's a heck of a lot clearer at Auburn. Because as much as I don't think Alabama right now believes in Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, I think I think if they did, we wouldn't have heard the smoke about Tyler Van Dyke last week. We wouldn't have seen this tweet today from Brandon Marcello saying he expects Alabama to be interested in Tyler Buckner. So if they felt great, this wouldn't be happening in my mind. Which is fair. I, but I think that's also been known, that Alabama's not confident in their quarterback room. I think coming into the spring, 
there was maybe a an expectation that Ty Simpson was going to take it by the horns and just take over the the job, which hasn't happened. Yes, exactly, exactly. He is not he has not done what he needs to do to to uh, kind of calm the speculation about the quarterback position. The reason why I don't feel great about Auburn if it became an Auburn Alabama battle because. Like, Tyler Buckner would walk into Auburn's quarterback room and be the best quarterback in that room. And I, and Tyler Buckner is a solid player. I don't think he's anything that special. No, but I don't think he's had a lot to show either because he got hurt last year. Do we remember who the offensive coordinator is at Alabama? Tommy Reese. Yep. Former Notre Dame quarterback, former no- Notre Dame offensive coordinator. Kind of like we saw Dylan Wade follow Philip Montgomery to Auburn, his former head coach at Tulsa, where Auburn had the inside track there and it worked out. And Auburn's involved with Jaden Muskrat. I expect Alabama, if they go after Tyler Buckner, to have the inside track to land. We'll talk some more about this as we get into the rest of the show. Plus, we'll talk some of these college football rule changes. What's going on in our sport? We'll talk about it when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He's Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. Well, Carter, in the first hour yesterday while you were gone, uh, I had a really good conversation uh, with myself and our listeners talking about the rules changes in college football that we know are happening and then the one that was proposed by the SEC that could be happening to the Southeastern Conference schools that uh, really it's the the no fun rule is what it comes off to me as from the SEC and so we'll talk about those here in this segment. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, 334-321-1390. Had a couple of good calls yesterday about these rule changes and the first one is the one that is happening across college football except in Division Three. It is the fact that now after a team achieves a first down, the clock will not stop like it has in the past for the officials to reset the ball, set the new chains, and all of that. The clock will no longer stop after first downs except within the last two minutes of a half. So had a good conversation about it there's a lot of different ways to put this but I just want to get your thoughts on it because we have not had the chance to have this conversation on air about this yet it's a big change for college football because it's one of those it's one of those things that has separated the college game from the professional game is the fact that in the NFL the clock doesn't stop after a first down where it's done that in college for a long time now yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think this is going to create a just drastically noticeable difference. I think it's going to make it feel a little more NFL-ish. Uh, it, I guess, is going to shorten the games a little bit. I think they said it's going to take away like an average of seven plays per game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, the the no untimed down in the first and third quarter, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I can 
see a logical difference there. And and you don't you don't run into untimed downs on the first and third quarter. I mean, you might you might do it once a season, maybe twice. If it's like, and the odds of that, I don't think are very high. I mean, I think back to this past year. It should have happened to Auburn one time. Yeah. And good old Brian Harson and and the boys uh did not understand how the clock works against Penn State, so it didn't happen. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. You brought up some really bad memories for Auburn fans. But with this hey, rule he's supposed to know ball and talk ball all of the time. He told hey he could not do that. He told you to watch him, and that's what we did. We watched it all right. Don't you worry. We absolutely yeah. watched it. But yes, this rule change in college football, right? They're trying to make the games faster. That's what they're trying to do. And we had a caller yesterday who brought up the point. He said, instead of doing this, instead of making this rule change, how about we make the review shorter? How about we make the, the review process shorter? He said put 60 seconds on the clock. When they go under the, under the, under the booth and the headset, whatever, and they're looking at the replay. That's fair. He said, I like put, that. Yeah, I said two minutes. I think 60 seconds is a little quick. I think two Bring minutes would be the, good. The XFL Xbox controller, absolutely. And let's let's make let's speed this thing up because it's true. Because in two minutes, if you if you're watching the replay, and within two minutes you can't make a decision, then stick with the call on the field and let's move on. Because at that point, and our caller made this point yesterday. At that point, you're looking at it so pixelated and so narrow and nitty gritty. You're changing the game itself. You are taking away the human aspect of the play, the human aspect of the officiating, and you're breaking it down to a point that review was not supposed to do. That's not what it was implemented for. So I think that's a great way. I think let's make the review process faster because how many times does it take five or ten minutes of real time for them to get the call because they'll go to a commercial and do it, right? It's just, I agree. I think that's a great way to speed this thing up. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I think you speeding up the review process uh, and maybe the frequency of, of re- reviews making it not happen all of the time. Yeah. It happens so often. I mean, I think about it's way worse in college basketball. It's way worse in the NBA, to be honest with you. Yeah. The last the last minute of the of an NBA game is in a close game is every bit of twenty minutes of real time. Well, they have the coaches challenge now too that they can they can light up the green light on the scores table and, and have them go and review it and stuff. And so yeah, I think that's one way. My suggestion that will never ever ever happen is let's just take less commercials because they take a million commercial breaks and they're all five minutes long when you're watching games on ESPN or CBS or or Fox or wherever. Now that'll never happen because that's why they play these games is to make money. And so those things will not happen. But with this rule change, and I said this yesterday and I believe this, I think in sports in general, whether it's college football, college basketball, professional hockey, tennis, NASCAR, I don't care what it is. When you're making a change to the game and you're trying to make it faster or you're trying to slow it down or you're trying to change something, the absolute last resort, in my opinion, should be changing how the game is played, coached, and watched and officiated. 
And what I mean by that is, with this rule change in college football, you're changing how it's played. You are changing the mindset of the players, coaches, and officials on how this game is going to work, and it's different than how it's ever been. I think that should be the absolute last resort is changing how the game is played, coached, officiated, and watched. Because now, think about it. Now that the clock doesn't stop after a first down, you're taking away that five or ten seconds that a a team and a coach can reset, get the play call in, and go, I don't care. I like the change. I'm not against it. What What was the really dumb fourth rule change that was suggested? It was, wasn't it the clock runs after incomplete passes? Oh yeah, yeah. That <laughs> you I, had a you had a field day on this one. That was the worst idea of all time, and it just drastically changed the game and how it was played. And right, it, you moved it farther away from the NFL. That, in my opinion, that is that was a classic instance of, hey, we're gonna suggest this list of rule changes we want to make. These are the ones that we think are obtainable that we want to make that we think that there's a chance of but we're going to include this other option that is outlandish (laughs) and ridiculous and will get so much outrage and attention that everybody's just kind of like waves their hands like ah the the other ones are fine the other ones are fine but this one's this one's the worst yeah that's exactly what that was succeeding by distraction is what that is and so no that one would have been ridiculous and look and i'll say it again this rule change with the clock running after a first down I'm fine with it. I don't hate it. It's not going to change the game all that much. I said it. it's going to take away an average of seven plays. How big of an impact is that? Not a ton. But again, are there other ways to speed the game up without changing an actual rule? Yes. The replay was a perfect example. I mean, I just... Why don't we just do the the complete NFL timing rules? I'm okay with that. Football. Just make it uniform. If you want to, if you want to keep it where one knee down in, in your down in college football and one foot in bounds, it's still a catch. Sure, you you can do that. I, that. That's fine. But why not make the timing mechanisms and rules the exact same? That would be way too. Give easy. a two minute warning. It'd be too easy. I just think it would, there's. I don't understand sometimes why we have to be so different from one level to the next well this one has the ncaa involved and so they're going to make it as complicated and ridiculous as so possible saying, let's revisit this in two years when the ncaa doesn't exist absolutely yes 100 percent. and this other rule change that's been proposed it's not about the the ncaa this one's have, about the I sec find this one so so i haven't i haven't even seen it the sec has it's been in the talks and been proposed What's been a huge problem in college football and college basketball after big upset wins? What's the big field? Yes. There have been some suggestions flying around that SEC schools could be punished even more because, you know, it starts with the $50,000 fine, then it gets all the way up to like a quarter of a million dollars. By the way, the SEC has the strongest fines for storming the field or the court or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it gets up to like heaviest, 250 grand. Heaviest fines in all of intercollegiate athletics. But guess who doesn't care? The SEC schools. Because and, they just write the check and they move on. Well, and to be honest, generally, when it happens, you have a big-time 
donor in a big spot, if it's a really big game and it's a really big memorable moment for the students, for the athletes, for the program, they'll just be like, yeah, I mean, I'll pay that money. Well, think about the last one. It was Tennessee who beat Alabama this year. That was a that was a much you know, deserved field storming by Tennessee. You know what I hate? You know what I hate about this that idea though? The the storming the field, storming the court and it being this big punishable thing by the SEC. It gets promoted by the SEC network when it happens. They post pictures and and clips and all this is Yes, you work for ESPN, but you also work for the Southeastern Conference. And they don't want this to happen. They're going to find these people, but you're promoting it. I just don't understand the imbalance there. Well, here's what the SEC has been talking about. It's gotten to, there are some that have been floating around, and then there are some really crazy ones that have been floating around as well, talking about punishing the schools, not just financially, not just with the heavy fine, but punishing them by taking away potential home games and future home games on their schedule. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right? Isn't that crazy? That's, They've been talking the SEC. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in now, my entire life. will it get extremely drastic? No, because the SEC and Greg Sankey are smarter than that. But those have been the conversations. Hey, do it one time. Do it one time to Alabama. Granted, Alabama, I, I guess Alabama would have to go through a little bit of a drier spell and I guess it would have to be against Georgia at home after Georgia's reign of dom- dominance continues yeah but have yeah. it happen to Alabama one time or or <laughs> Georgia for that matter and see if it's enforced the same as it would be at Kentucky listen to this first two paragraphs from an SI article written yesterday all right it's from uh this is I think it's just regular SI here it says this is Sports Illustrated talking about this says, picture this potential scenario in the Southeastern Conference this fall. On September 30th in Jordan-Hare Stadium, Auburn takes down undefeated, number one ranked, two-time reigning national champion Georgia. This is a perfect example they wrote about Auburn. Tiger fans celebrate their first victory over the rival Bulldogs since 2017, ouch, by storming the field. And in response, the SEC moves Auburn's next home game against Georgia in 2025 to Athens. The Tigers would play the Bulldogs between the hedges three straight seasons, twenty-four to twenty-six. That would That's be the price the for storming the field. Thing ever. Wouldn't that be insanity? That would be ridiculous. Now, will they get to if, that if point? The, There's the no SEC shot. If he tries to do that, like unless you're Georgia and Alabama, you should be like, you know what? We're gonna go form our own conference. <laughs> <laughs> they very well might. But those are, and that's, I think that's the most drastic one that was put on the table. But I think this is probably, that suggestion's probably a move from Greg Sankey to show I'm serious about this. There's no way they get to that point. There's no way they would get to that. The response would be so bad. But I think it's interesting. Because they're trying to keep fans safe. And I understand the safety aspect of it. I do. Storming the field is not safe. Right? It's not. Let's just be honest. In a, in a Jordan-Hare Stadium with 87,000 fans and 50,000 of them rush the field, it's not safe. But it's cool. 
<laughs> it's really, really cool to see, and it's a really cool moment. Now, I don't, I don't like the idea of tearing down the goalposts. I think you've seen way too many people get hurt from that. I did think it was really funny when Tennessee fans did it, and they went in through the goalpost in the river. That was fantastic. Oh well, when when Ole Miss beat Alabama years ago, I have friends that the goalpost was in their house. That's awesome. That's so. It was awesome. like behind their couch. I remember where I was. I was in high school at homecoming dinner with a group in high school homecoming, and we watched that game while we were at dinner and watched Ole Miss tear down the goalpost. That's that's. Yeah, I remember when that happened. But with all of that being said, the SEC is trying to keep the football fans safe and trying to keep schools from letting their fans storm the field. And I'll say this, nobody lets the fans storm the field. You just can't stop it. Like, you see now, you see security line up around the edges at a football game or a basketball game, but if the fans want to storm, they're going to storm. You can get one or two of them. You're not going to stop them all. And so, the SEC's trying. I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to stop it, but eventually they're going to come up with something. And the fact that losing a future SEC home game is one of the possibilities, I guarantee the SEC schools, their attention has been grabbed from Greg Sankey in the SEC. Because if that were to happen, and I think it's awesome that SI wrote about Auburn in this potential scenario, where... This fall on September 30th, Auburn beats Georgia for the first time in six years, and they storm the field. And in response, the SEC moves <laughs> Auburn's next home game against Georgia in 2025 to Athens, where they'd play them three straight times at Georgia. That would be wild. Yeah, It'd it be wild. Be. And it would cause an outcry, an outroar from SEC schools, SEC fans, but I think Greg Sankey wants everybody to know he's serious about how they're going to do this. So we'll see what they end up coming to. I think they have some meetings coming up over the summer. And then I think their their annual like SEC meetings are coming up down in Destin really soon, I think. So I'm sure it'll be brought up there as well. But I just Absolutely. thought that was interesting that that – that option's on the table and so we'll see if uh we'll see what that amounts to and what they actually do to try to get fans to quit storming the field and the basketball courts let's get to our final break here in hour number one we'll wrap it up talk about the Braves who had a rough weekend and how they can fix it here in the midweek before the weekend coming up hour number one wraps up on the other side you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll talk some Braves real quick. We only got a few minutes and uh, based off this weekend, that's all we need because the Braves uh, did not play their best baseball over the weekend. Still one of the best teams in the league. But uh, yeah, this weekend wasn't a great showing for the Braves at home against the Astros. Ugh. It was just it was a it was a it was a rough weekend for the Braves. Yeah, no, it was it wasn't great when you get swept. Um, <laughs> the good news, the good news, you're still in first place. You are still one game up on the New York Mets. Uh, you bounce back with a dominant victory over the Marlins, and uh, maybe you get you got some of the mojo back going. You got some momentum, and you can reel off a few wins. Maybe you can get hot like those Tampa Bay Rays right now who are unbelievable unbelievable yeah that's that's a good way to put it they are 
just on another level when it comes to who is successful in Major League Baseball right now. Braves get the big win. You mentioned it last night over the Marlins. Uh, they have, what, three more games, and then you, t- you bring up the Mets. That's where the Braves go this weekend. They go to New York to take on the Mets uh, there at City Field. And so we'll see if the Braves can get it going again. They've got the four-game series with Miami right now. Then they go and take on the Mets in a four-game series where, look, the Mets are okay. They're not great. They're 14-9. and nine. Uh, They came off a split with San Francisco. They also did beat the Dodgers in a three-game series. So they're doing okay. I mean, the, the Mets are playing decent baseball. They're having to it deal with... Start. It was a rough start for them. It was, and a lot of injuries. And weathered and, the storm a little bit. Yeah, I think so. So I think the Mets are okay. It's a series where Atlanta's going to have to go up and, and play good ball if they want to beat the Mets on the road this weekend but I'm not worried about the Braves this week against the Marlins I think you could see a three and one series win or you could see a sweep of the Marlins from the Braves I really do think so yeah I mean I agree with you I agree with you I think the Braves are still second best team in baseball behind the Rays and I think they're going to show it over the course of the season they got some work to do with Miami this week before heading to City Field in New York Braves they'll be just fine I promise you that hour number one in the book stay tuned hour number two coming up Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as hour number one is in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway of the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure uh, to go and catch up after the show on uh, ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked Auburn basketball news as uh, a recruit from the transfer portal is on campus. Uh, should be tonight or early tomorrow. And uh, just talking what Auburn can do in the transfer portal to try to upgrade a little bit and make this team even better than what we've seen over the past. And we talked some of those college football rule changes again with uh, the first down clock no longer stopping and the SEC trying to implement some insane rules on uh, rushing the field. And so if you missed any of our conversation from hour number one, again, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded commercial-free right after the show today. Coming up here at hour number two, we're going to talk uh, some other Auburn basketball news and just catch up on what's been going on around basketball and football rather because uh, it's been the transfer portal is open and so we'll talk about where Auburn basketball and football can go probably go more football here in the second hour then coming up at 3 30 speaking of Auburn football we'll talk about the Auburn football 2023 schedule and what the predictions are based off of ESPN's FPI because 
Auburn fans aren't going to like it. And Carter, I have a feeling you and I just don't agree with ESPN on this one. I think we're going to be a little bit more optimistic than they are. So we'll talk about that coming up here at 3.30. But no guests today, so we'd love to hear from you, our listener, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind, comments, questions, concerns, if you want to jump in on the conversation with us, we'd love to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. 90 and Carter will start with football we've been talking about how the transfer portal just hasn't been as crazy as we thought but as you mentioned back in the first hour starting to pick up some steam a little bit yeah I think it's starting to pick up a little bit and I think it's going to continue to pick up because we know that what it's Sunday right Sunday Sunday the, the, the 30th yes yes Sunday is the last day of the transfer portal period uh, and so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what what takes place with that uh, how many how many names uh, enter the portal over the course of this week? Because you don't have to make a decision about where you are going by the 30th. You just have to enter. So maybe we see a really big uh, influx of players entering the portal here over the last few days. They've used the entire 15-day portal period. They've evaluated their options. They have gained some perspective about where they stand on their team, where they could stand somewhere else. Maybe you see them um, aver- or maybe you see them enter in there the transfer portal here soon. Yeah, and given that it's you know it's it's a fifteen day period, so just over just over two weeks, right? You have that time, and with all of the we've mentioned it uh, quite a bit, the fact that. Schools are still in spring practice. I mean, there are many programs that just wrapped up spring practice. Some schools around the country who will be wrapping up spring practice this week and this weekend. It's just tougher now than what it used to be in the transfer portal. And so I don't think that Auburn fans, and I said this yesterday, and I think you did as well, I don't think Auburn fans need to worry that there hasn't been as much movement and as much noise in the transfer portal. You've seen a couple of guys dip out, and I think you'll see some more leave in the next few days. We expect TJ Finley to be one of those guys who will transfer out, but at the same time, he's still here. I think he does not have to. If this his plan, if everything goes according to his plan, which is grad transferring, I don't think you have to declare that you're transferring enter the portal by the 30th i think you get a little extra grace period if you're a grad transfer that would make sense and so i think because because he has said publicly that he plans to graduate in june and he's weighing his options he's potentially looking at transferring again which would be his free grad transfer and more power to him Enjoy the rest of your career. Shame it didn't work out at Auburn. It didn't work out at LSU. I think that. I wonder. I I have a theory that he got thrown into the fire too soon at LSU when he shouldn't have been. He needed time to develop. And I I do think there is an there is an aspect that that can. If it's not a good situation and the player's not ready, that can stunt the development of a player. I agree, yeah. And so I think that that, combined with the fact that Auburn hasn't had a good offensive line in his two years, 
at Auburn. Which is very fair. And I don't think LSU had a good offensive line his one year there. It's hard to develop as a quarterback. He's not one of one of my favorite players uh, with the the everything that surrounds him. Um, I think it's just best for all parties if, for him to move on. I just don't think he's a power five quarterback. I really don't. I don't think he's a power five quarterback. I don't know if he's a group of five quarterback that I've seen. And I just don't know. I just don't think it's going to work out here for for TJ Finley at Auburn. And so with that, I think you'll see some other names from Auburn enter the portal. I think you'll see Auburn go after some other guys in the portal because there are position groups that you and I have talked about that Auburn has to address in the portal, quarterback being one of them, wide receiver being another one, the jack position being another one, and Auburn seems to be reaching out to a guy uh, who may be visiting campus for that. And so, there's a name that just hit the portal that I think could be really interesting for for the jack position, defensive end position, Isaac Ukwu from James Madison, uh, a guy who his stats are pretty strong. I mean, over the past two years, he has. Uh, 83 total tackles, 20, 27 tackles for a loss, uh, and I think 16 and a half sacks, five batted down passes, three forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. How many years was that, did you say? Over the past two years. Okay. So he's basically, pretty, yeah. oh, he averaged eight and a quarter sacks of the, over those two years. He averaged 13 and a half tackles for a loss and 40-something tackles on the defensive line. You'll take that every time. you take that all day long, absolutely. He was, he was an all-conference player at James Madison. That could be a great depth piece to an Auburn defensive line that needs some pieces, especially with the departure of Jeffrey Imba. Yes, yeah, Auburn could definitely use a guy like that at that position. We'll talk some more about that coming up in a few minutes, but let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And, Dak, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Good to hear you. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, man. Beautiful day today. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, going back to T.J. Finley when he first got here, I said that he uh, would not work out. He he throws over the top. He's not a spread uh, quarterback at all. He's that old-fashioned 80s. High backfield, uh, you know, drop back, uh, seven steps, throwing the digs in the in the mm-hmm. post and the curls, and he cannot drop his arm down in the three or five hole to throw. I mean, you remember last year we had such a problem throwing to the back out of the backfield, and yeah. and that's because he throws over top, and uh, you know, uh, I didn't. I think what hurt him too was the fact that. Uh, that first fall practice, you know, they didn't go live at all. And yeah. I think that would have been seen earlier if they would have done that. And instead, you know, we, we're seeing it in the first three or four ball games that he played. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he'll be able to play unless he goes somewhere like Jacksonville State or or uh, a school like Troy or something like that. I have always heard uh, about southeastern Louisiana for him. I think his brother is on the team there, and I wonder if if he were to leave and go somewhere else, if that is a potential option for him. I think that T.J. Finley is a guy that could succeed somewhere, but it's got to be a very precise, very specific situation that really fits his skill set. And the problem, too, Dak, is that, yeah, you know, I mean, we all know T.J. Finley, when he's in the pocket, 
He's in the pocket. He he ain't going anywhere, right? Yeah, because I mean, he's cinder blocks yeah. for feet and a piano. Tied That's to his exactly, back. and so that that hurts him right. too. Right, right, and then and then you know the portal thing. I didn't, I didn't. We have a whole lot of uh, success after spring because really, guys, the guys that are leaving any program after spring training, they're finding out that they're not going to be that one guy or yeah. that guy that they thought they were going to be. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, I do think that there are a few, uh, if you're able to to pick up a couple key pieces, there are a few uh, players that you can find. I mean, I don't sure. know exactly when he entered the portal when he did, but think to Jamison Williams, who was the, what, the fourth or fifth best receiver on that Ohio State team at the time that he entered right. the portal. He goes to Alabama, has an All-American season, first-round draft pick. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think that there, there are. There will be exceptions. Yes, one hundred percent. And I, I, I just, I agree with you though. I mean, you're generally going to see guys who lost position battles at a big school, or you're seeing guys at really small schools that want to make that jump to a higher level and kind of test what they can do uh, at the Power Five level or in the SEC, wh- whatever it may be. Right. Right. So uh, I know we're talking football. Quick question though: Do we know when our uh, you know our ace is going to be back? Is there any chance of him getting back in the next couple of weeks in baseball? I think there. I think he's been throwing. Um, I think that things have have progressed pretty well. I think the goal is to get him back before the end of the year. Um, but they've hope. been they've been pretty they've been pretty quiet about it yes. though uh, it, strategically just trying to not trying right. to rush him coming back because of you know he's just battled with this a, for a while and so they've kept it Auburn's kept it pretty close to the chest but from what we've been told uh, he is at least active it was at least throwing the baseball right um, but yeah I think. Right. I think they're just trying to take their time and not rush it, maybe not get people too excited about it, and not try to get expectations up if he can't meet them on a start date. And if so, I, if I were going to guess, I would say at least another couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get him back, and maybe if we can, you know, surprise South Carolina and get one or two this weekend, and, and you know, and uh, you know, you, do well. You really LSU need. At home. You need to find yeah. a way to take at least one out of these next two series yeah have to you need to win one against South Carolina one against LSU and frankly I mean it's a daunting task these next uh six games because you're playing right now on the on the Auburn baseball schedule uh it's number one LSU in two weeks and it's number two South Carolina on the road this weekend how how do uh, guys how do they do baseball how who do they just draw out of a hat who plays who uh, how does that work? I mean, how did we end up? And I know who knew at the beginning of the year we were going to be playing, you know, six top eight teams. Right. In the well, country. I mean, it's but, the SEC. You do that every year. <laughs> but, but some people ain't got as many as we do, though. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, I yeah. mean, so how does that work? How's the rotation work? Do y'all know? I I think there is a set rotation. I don't know exactly how it works. Um, but I think you, you have your – Kind of like in basketball, you have your teams that are locked in for uh, multiple, or like you're locked in every single year for a three-game set. Like in basketball, you have your teams that you're locked in for um, a home and home. 
I think there is right. an aspect of that, but I, I there's definitely some rotation so, for yeah. a while there. It yeah. felt like Auburn always drew Vanderbilt. Yeah, you have you have right. two you have so two permanent. Say, yeah, you have like two Vanderbilt for number one South Carolina. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, you've got. I think you have like two permanent opponents, and then the other ten or other eight conference weekends kind of rotate. And so, yeah, I mean, you you just. Auburn just kind of got the the short end of the stick on this one, especially with South Carolina surprising the world with how good they right. are this well, year. Well, I mean, it's a great program. Oh they, yeah, they, but, they were dominant uh, in the they, last yeah, fifteen years. Down, you know, they've been down. Yeah. You know, for Dion, they've been down the last three or four. For years. sure, right. for sure. And yeah. uh, looking at it right now, I mean, Auburn's next six games in conference play oh, are against te- two teams that combined have three fewer losses than Auburn has for the season. All right, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, man. Appreciate it's good to hear from you, Dak. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That is Dak joining us on the phone lines. The We'd way, love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. To uh, Dak's point about the SEC being so crazy difficult, I'm going to read you the top seven of the D1 Baseball Top 25 poll right now. LSU, number one. Wake Forest, who is unreal this year. Yeah, in that, the team, that team is nasty. South Carolina. Florida, Vanderbilt, Coastal Carolina. Hey, oh. Really confusing how at 26 and 12, they're currently ranked sixth. Um, and finally, Arkansas. So five of the top seven? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> SEC is, uh, is tough. And, and credit you, and to the SEC have, East for being tougher than what we thought it would be. When you look at the rest of the top 25, you still have two more SEC teams outside of that top seven. Uh, and Kentucky at 15. And Tennessee, who's having a very suddenly down year. Wonder if there's more to it. Get out of here. Uh, ranked 24th. <laughs> yeah, well, look, we, we knew the SEC... Uh, we know every year that the SEC of baseball is it, it's the best conference. And again, credit to the SEC East for being better than what we thought it would be, especially with South Carolina, who, yes, historically is a good program, but nobody expected them to be this good this year. So, Dak, hey, buddy, we appreciate the call, man. It's always good to hear from you. We got to get to our first break here in hour number two. Phone lines are open all show today. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll continue talking. Talk and transfer portal stuff with Auburn football when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, happy Tuesday, man. How are you? Happy Tuesday, guys. How y'all doing? I'm doing fantastic. Doing well, doing Good well. Hi, Terry. Fantastic. Um, do you guys have any 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 time frame when we might hear something out of the, the kid from Florida State or the kid from Texas Tech? And which when well, do you think Auburn will do? I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I was just gonna gonna answer your your question, but you were you were continuing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, what, what, which one would Auburn rather have? If you're asking me, I think Auburn would I rather have Jalen Tyson. I okay. think he is a better player. I think he's a better shooter, and I think he's a better defender. I, I think he just had less uh, volume and and less reliance on him than than Cleveland had at Florida State, which was let I me mean, let's be honest, it was, 
it wasn't a great Texas Tech team, but you're in the Big 12, and I think that Texas Tech team would have finished in the top half of the SEC if you switch them out. Um, and FSU was maybe one of the maybe the second worst high major team in the country uh, behind Louisville because Louisville was the saddest thing I think I've ever seen this year. Uh, I think you would. I think. You would take either one if they want on board, but I think if, they, if you're asking me, I would say Jalen Tyson. If things have not started to shake out by, say, Monday, part of me would wonder if maybe um, there's somebody higher on the board. Mm. What is um, Tyson's... Uh, relationship with the coach I was hired from Texas Tech. Well, well he, he played for him. He played for him, yeah. And the okay, assistant well, that and, and that assistant coach, remember, he finished out the year as the interim head coach. And so yeah, they, they have they I would say they have a pretty good relationship. And I'm sure they're uh, I mean I'm sure something has been said since I think he's planning on taking a visit to Auburn later in the week and Terry Matthew Cleveland from Florida State is supposed to be on campus as early as this evening. Interesting, interesting. And Auburn and Florida State, for whatever reason, there's always sort of a rivalry they're having there, no matter what sport. Yeah, yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, there's, always, sure. there's always some hatred when Auburn and Florida uh, State get together. Jalen Tyson right now, this is from a few days ago. This is from three, three days ago. He has visits set up for Auburn and Kansas. So it's going to be a tough battle there for Auburn. But Auburn may have a little bit of an inside track with, with his assistant coach, Corey Williams now on staff. And Matthew Cleveland, he is his top three reportedly is Auburn, Missouri, and Miami, and he's already taken visits to Miami and Missouri. He's taken his official to Auburn starting today. Yeah, you like to have that last visit. That's a good thing to get right there. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was just saying, the Auburn, Florida State, I flew all the way out to Pasadena, California to watch Auburn lose to Florida State back in 2013. Yeah, my dad and I uh, almost did. It was a last-second oh, decision to not go. I was there. I still have nightmares probably <laughs> once a week i have the the thought about the opening drive fsu which would have been the second it was the second time because it hadn't happened twice where they just brutally blow coverage the first uh the other one went for a melvin ray just walk-in touchdown one of the few melvin ray touchdowns in his career the former minor league baseball player who's like 27 playing college football at auburn um but Ricardo Lewis, they just don't guard him on a post. They, he's just he's wide open, and it's in, in the middle of the field. And you had Nick Marshall. If he if he puts some air on it and just lets him run underneath it, Ricardo Lewis walks in the end zone. For whatever reason, he tried to put it on him, and he skipped it in low and five yards behind him. And Auburn punted. Had Auburn scored on that drive, combined with everything else they did, I think they would have put FSU away in that game. The two things I come out of with that game is, first of all, um, Jimbo Fisher wrote Jameis Winston to a big-time paycheck. Yes, he did. You better believe and, it. And uh, uh, if Trey Mason went down about the five-yard line, Auburn would have won that game. Yep. Yep. I said that as well. That's such a he tough call to make, a, though. like, double-team tackle attempt. And just ran, outran everybody. But, man, what a tough call that is in the moment, you know? And, guys, I was behind a young lady in line out there going into the stadium, whose son, I graduated high school with her. Her son was Jake Holland. Really? Hmm. Okay. We graduated wow. high school together. In that, in that no crazy. Idea. I said, we, we come, we see, we live in the same time, we grew up in the same town, we come 3,000 miles and we run to each, and into each other. It's a small world, isn't it, Terry? <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. 
You guys have a great day. Appreciate it, Terry. Good to hear from you, man. Hope all is well with you. We appreciate you calling in. 334-321-1390. Yeah, when it comes to either Matthew Cleveland or uh, Tyson from uh, from Texas Tech, I think you would rather have the latter part. Uh, I think coming from Texas Tech, I just think you, you're better built coming out of the Big 12. As you said, yes, he is. He wasn't as relied upon at Texas Tech rather than Matthew Cleveland at Florida State, who was one of their go-to guys. Uh, but when you look at the shooting, Matthew Cleveland is decent, right? He, he's decent. He's 35% from deep, but I want 40% from deep. Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> right? I, I mean, think 5% more every that, day. I know, but that's what I'm saying. And I think, I think Matthew Cleveland, Auburn would be happy with either one. I think they would be happy with either one. But late last week, it seemed like to us on the list of preferred guys Auburn would want to go after, it seemed like Matthew Cleveland was four or five on that list. No, I th- I think it's closer to three. I think I think it's Tyson and Cleveland are relatively on the same tier, and there may be some people out there that that Auburn is still evaluating and and looking at. And I'm with you. I'm just saying I, Auburn would be f- happy with either one. Like Auburn, they're not going to say, well. You're good, but we really wanted this other guy. No, I mean, I think Auburn would be happy. They're, they should be happy with what they have with Chaney Johnson and Denver Jones. And then if you do get a guy like Matthew Cleveland or Tyson, I, I think you are in a good spot if you're Auburn. I mean, I think they'll be pleased with either one. Yeah. Uh, what's the – What's the? Um, I can I can hit you with two two different memes here. The, the girl and the – is it, is it a butter commercial or is it a taco commercial with why not both? Oh yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or the, uh, the Disney movie about, uh, the, the Aztec city of gold. And oh they, yeah. Well, they say yeah. both, both, both is good. Both is good. Yeah. And I think Auburn very well could. And, and again, Matthew Cleveland on campus as early as this evening. If Oregon can land Cario Okendo and Devin Cambridge on the same day, Auburn can land Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Tyson. I'm with you. I think you. I think, I think they could. And we'll talk about it and we'll see if that is the case. But when we come back, we'll look at Auburn football's 2023 schedule and what the Football Power Index says about the Tigers in 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins joined by Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. I know we're still months away from college football season, but I promise you it will be here before you know it. And with Auburn coming into 2023, we know Obviously, a new head coach, a new coaching staff, a new football facility, and a lot of new names and new faces on this team. And given their record in 2022 and looking at their schedule in 2023, the College Football Power Index on ESPN, they ranked the teams coming in 
to 2023 and they make projections on their record they give them you know all different sorts of rankings and all this type of stuff and so when you look at this and if you haven't had a chance to do it I recommend that you go to it if you just type in uh, college football power index 2023 you'll find it on ESPN they ranked all the teams coming into 2023 and we'll talk about some of these teams and we'll talk about where Auburn ranks and then they make projections for what they think Auburn will be and they are just not very optimistic on this and I think you and I Carter and I think our listeners as well will have more confidence than what the projected win-loss record is going to look like so we'd love to hear from you our listeners 334-321-1390. I will say maybe while I think that this is outrageous when you look at the game by game basis (laughs) maybe this is a little bit of a message to Auburn fans that maybe don't expect nine wins in year one. I, yeah, and I Unless think I said that yesterday. Get, don't expect 2013. If Grayson McCall walks in the door, okay. Then if you want to expect nine wins, go for it. Go for it. I, I, Grayson McCall or another, another move-the-needle big-name quarterback, maybe with some of these receivers Auburn's offering that are hitting the portal, that were to happen okay then you have my permission to start to jack up the expectations to nine ten wins but right now please don't (laughs) yeah exactly and so here's what the power index says about college football coming into 2023 the football power index the highest score given was 31.5 to ohio state the lowest score given was negative 17.2 to UMass. Dang right. <laughs> to UMass. UMass Minutemen have been stuck in the <laughs> cellar of college football forever. And probably will be as a f- FBS them, independent. New Mexico State, FIU, Akron, La Monroe, New Mexico, those teams perpetually there. Props to UConn for slowly clawing their way out of the basement, too. No longer bottom five. They went to a bowl game last year somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, were, they had a bottom, what, 15 FBI and still somehow made, made a bowl game? Exactly. Good for them. Good for them. The football team just trying to stay relevant given that they have the most dominant basketball program in the last 25 years. But the highest FPI given was Ohio State with 31.5, Alabama 28.2, then Georgia, LSU, Texas, Michigan, USC, Clemson, Notre Dame, Penn State. That's sort of what your top 10 or so Shout out is Deion looking Sanders like. Sanders' Colorado for being the lowest rated P5 school. Yeah, also... What about their spring game this weekend? That thing was sold out, man. And credit, yeah, I know it's a spring it game, but... Like, they're not going to be good. I don't know if anybody, whatever their over-under win total is, hammer the under. Hammer it. Isn't it set at like five wins or something like that? I feel like it's like four and a half to five. I feel like is where I've seen it. I I haven't looked at it recently, but surely it's not. It's surely it's no more than six on a betting line. Mm, they've, they've, They've dropped it a full win. Ah, full win. So people in Vegas are realizing it's over. What's it at now? Four and a half. Four and a half. So it was five and a half. Wow, that is that's just not going to happen. But but their schedule for this upcoming year, by the way, just quickly to run through it at TCU to open the year. Loss at home against Nebraska, who is more talented with Matt Rule as their head coach. Loss. 
Colorado State. They'll, they'll win that one at win, home. Win, yeah. At Oregon. Uh, major loss. USC at home. Major loss. At Arizona State. Loss. Uh, Stanford at home. They'll, they'll win that one at home. Have a chance. At UCLA. Loss. You're going to lose that. Oregon State at home. You're going to lose that. Loss. Arizona at home. Toss up. Got a chance. You should win, I think. At Washington State. You could got a chance. You, you could talk me into that one. At Utah, you're gonna get smoked in the year. Yeah. At Utah, Utah is winning yikes. the Pac-12 again. For oh, a you're gonna time. be on the Utah train again, huh? Yes, one hundred percent. Well, no, Colorado is not going to be anything good. But yes, there are other schools outside of Colorado yes, 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 because yes. you wouldn't believe it if you watched a lot of TV because the Deion Sanders hype has been unbelievably crazy. But Looking at where some of these schools are and some of the projections, again, Ohio State at the top, their projected win loss is 12 and 1. If you round up and down just to solid numbers, is 12 and 1. Alabama, technically 11 and 2 at 11.1 and 1.6. Again, I'm rounding up and down to make even numbers here. Georgia at 12 and 1. So, again, Georgia expected to be solid. How about LSU at 10 and 3, if you round up and down. Technically, it's 9.6 and 2.6. So to round up, you'd have 10 and 3 for LSU in year two under Brian Kelly. Texas. I, they, they can do that. Sure. Uh, I think so. I absolutely think so. Texas at 10 and 3. Uh, and so you have some big names in there. Tennessee, after coming off one of their best years in the last decade, they are last 20 years, they're at eight and four. So a little bit of a drop for uh, Tennessee there with, with, again, the rounding up and down. Here's where Auburn ranks. Auburn, again, the top team in Ohio State at 31.5 in the ESPN FPI. Auburn, 6.9, tied with Oklahoma State just above Missouri and UCLA and the projected win and loss totals for Auburn coming into 2023 according to the ESPN FPI 5.8 and 6.2 sitting at an even six and six yeah and if you look at it by game uh which looking at it right now Auburn opens with who do they open with Jacob the last place UMass Minutemen yep and, and you have a 97% chance to win that game. Yeah, they also play one of the worst Power 5 schools in non-conference play this year also. Yes. They play Cal. But the college football FBI on ESPN gives Auburn a 44% chance to beat Cal on the road. That just doesn't make sense to me. Auburn is going to beat Cal by 21-plus points. I know it's on the road, and I know you have to go across the country. I don't care that it's in Berkeley. It does not matter. I agree. Cal cannot score. They cannot score. When was the last time they could score? Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Marshawn Lynch. Yep. <laughs> there um, you go. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And Cal is a terrible team. Then you get Sanford, 98% chance to win that game. Okay. So we can agree that Auburn's going to start 3-0, and right? We can agree on that, yes. that Auburn will start 3-0 and despite what ESPN is saying. Auburn will start 3-0 in 2023, even with the team that they have right now, even with Robbie Ashford as their starting quarterback. They will be 3-0. and I know where this game is being played, but you cannot tell me with the season that this team just had and the interesting hiring decisions... Auburn at Texas A&M, Auburn does not have a better than 24% chance to win that game. It is at least 33 in my book. At least. Probably 
in the mid thirties. Yeah, and look, and, and tell me, tell me where A and M is going to get drastically better at. I don't know. For by September twenty third, Bobby Petrino could try to already have a mutiny in the program and take the whole thing over. That's still wild to me. That's wild to me that they hired him. Like, that thing could already be a smoldering pile of ashes in College Station by the time September 23rd rolls around. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> now, now Georgia, what is A&M's schedule nine, coming into that game? Uh, they play New Mexico at Miami, UL Monroe, and then they host Auburn. Dang, look at this. They host Auburn, Arkansas, and Bama three straight weeks before going on the road to Tennessee. God, what a bad time to be a Texas A&M fan. Now, okay, 9% chance to beat Georgia at home. Okay, 100%, fine. That, okay, I'm not going to complain about that at all. 14% chance at LSU. That is really low for a team that you beat there last time you played, and you should have beaten them last year. I know they won the West. I know they did. And I know they returned Jaden Daniels. But this Auburn team has gotten drastically better from last year to this year. You almost beat them with Brian Harson. Yeah. That's an LSU team that's fourth in the FPI coming into this year. The now, third team in the top five. Here's the one that maybe I disagree with the most. At home against Ole Miss, the FPI gives Auburn... A 34% chance to beat Ole Miss at home. There's no chance Auburn loses that game. Auburn's going to win that game by three scores. There's no chance Auburn Auburn's loses. Auburn's going to drag Ole Miss up and down the field. There's all so game long. Think about all the different storylines that are matter. in this game. It doesn't matter how many quarterbacks you land in the transfer portal. Only one of them is going to be on the field. Exactly. And think about all the storylines that are going to be into this game between Auburn and Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin now Hugh Freeze, with all the drama, right? That is going to be... Auburn is going to drag them up and down the field from start to finish. And they only give Auburn a, thir- what'd you say, a 35%? 34% chance to be there. At home. Yep. According to ESPN's FPI. And that's what we're going through. If you want to chime in, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Looking at Auburn's upcoming 2023 schedule, uh, Auburn football, that is, according to the College Football Power Index, where they give Auburn a 6-6 six and six projection record for 2023. I just I want to bring this up because I was curious. I pulled up LSU's schedule just to look at it before the Auburn game. They go at State, Arkansas at home, at Ole Miss, at Missouri, then Auburn at home. But here's your trap spot. The next week, Army. Yes. Army. Yes. You play five SEC games, three of them on the road, and then you get Army. Army's going to be in that game in the fourth quarter. I would bet my house on it. I would never, ever, ever, ever. And I love the military. But I would never schedule at a military academy to play. Absolutely I, I'm not. not. scheduling them after five straight SEC games and three of them on the road. I'm not scheduling them ever. <laughs> I'm not doing that. You're setting yourself up for failure because you can't stop them. That is amazing. Army Army's going to be in that game in the fourth quarter and give LSU the biggest scare of their se- their season. Maybe. That's hilarious. That it, That's such a random game in the middle of the year for LSU yeah. to play. That's like Arkansas playing BYU last year in the middle of the year. Like that was that was crazy too. So, what's the rest of the schedule look like for Auburn according to the FPI? 
So October 28th at home against Mississippi State. Just a 55% chance to win. I mean, who knows what look that state team's going to look, look like. Look at the transition that they've had to go through. That's what I'm saying. That, that With the, the, the death of Mike Leach. Yeah, it's going to be... It's gonna be Tough times in Starkville, I think. I mean, you're They're just running a completely different offense. Yeah, Auburn's gonna Auburn's gonna win that game by at least two. Scores. I mean, you bring back your quarterback, but still, at Vanderbilt, sixty nine percent chance to win on the road, uh, and then you have at Arkansas, thirty three percent chance. Arkansas is my pick to be awful this next year. Didn't you say that last year too? No, I, I I liked Arkansas last. That's year. what it was. I thought they were okay. I thought they were a much better team than they got credit for. They're going to be horrible. They lost both coordinators, and the hires they made to replace them were significant downgrades. Will this be Sam Pittman's last year in Fayetteville, Arkansas? No, no. Two years ago, he was the best Arkansas coach in a decade. Just ask. No. Him. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Just ask. But yeah, no, that offense is going to get worse. That defense is going is going to is going to get worse. Well, the defense was horrible. The yeah. offense was the only thing that kept yeah. them in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be bad. This yeah, year. they're going to be. They're going to be. I think they're going to be really bad. I think it's, I think they might be a four and eight team. And they will have just gone to Florida the week before, mm. which is a, about as long of a trip as you can make in the SEC right now before they get Auburn at home the next week. Um, Then you have New Mexico State, 96% chance to win that, and Alabama at home, 9% chance again. I'll say this. There is no way on this planet right now that Auburn has the same percent chance to beat Georgia at home as it does Alabama at home. Because you're saying Auburn has a better chance to beat Alabama than it does Georgia. Yep. Two years ago, again, I'm going to say his name with this emphasis, with Brian Horson. <laughs> you took Bryce Young and Alabama to like four overtimes and lost. And had you so many chances to if, win. If your coach had more than three brain cells that knew how to coach a football game, maybe he goes for two and wins the game. Just maybe any guts at all to say or we have Alabama he, on the ropes. Maybe he puts a quarterback in the game that can move yeah. in Demetrius Davis after you're not completing passes at all. And TJ Finley has like a broken foot and can't walk. Yeah. Mm. But I'm with you. I, I'm with you. In, in, in 2023. So, do not tell me that Auburn has the same percent chance to beat Alabama at home as it does Georgia. If you want to lower the Georgia percentage, fine. I'm with you. But Auburn also has a much better chance to beat Alabama at home this upcoming year than 9%. I agree. Alabama doesn't know how, doesn't know who the quarterback is. They lost a the running back. Like They lost Will Anderson. I know Dallas Turner's there. He's a great player. You can make an argument that the cracks in the foundation of the dynasty at Alabama that I talked about last year, if anything, are getting bigger. Because the the torch has been passed from Tuscaloosa to Athens. It has. I mean, just look. You are watching it happen in real yes. time. You're yes. watching it happen, and I agree with you. I think but Auburn, even top, this current team, has a better chance to beat Alabama than they do Georgia. On top of all of that, right now, 
you don't have any of those first-round receivers on your roster, when you had them lined up for years, from like Julio all the way to Jamison Williams, you had them from that entire span. You had at least one. Sometimes you had four. You had four straight NFL quarterbacks. Now you've got two guys you don't trust to go into the fall. That you're looking at Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner, who is average. This Alabama team is not going to be up to standard in 23. And yet, according to ESPN's FPI, Alabama's going 11-2 and this year. That's their projection. Alabama 11-2, and Georgia 12-1, and and Auburn 6-6. and We'll give our thoughts on that as we wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back getting to our final break here on this Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. Got us for the next couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will have you for the drive here on ESPN 106.7 from 4 until 6. And we've been talking about the uh, the SEC or the, yeah, just the SEC teams projections uh, based off of the ESPN FPI and Auburn projected to be six and six and uh, Alabama looking to be 11 and one Georgia 12 and one and so here's the thing when you look at this from from an Auburn perspective you put it really well Carter that maybe this is a sign for Auburn fans to lower expectations coming into 2023 because look this is not going to be a 2013 Auburn's not going to the national championship game and if I'm wrong I will gladly get on here and say so (laughs) but here I think Auburn can be better and I think they will be better than six and six I just think they will the schedule plays out for them to be better than that and I think there will be more talent on this team than we've seen in four or five years it's the easiest schedule Auburn's had in a long time Auburn's going to start three and oh with wins over UMass at Cal and Sanford at home I think you beat both Mississippi schools at home so that gets you to five you beat Vanderbilt on the road you beat Arkansas on the road that gets you to seven right there New Mexico State at home you win that that's eight I think eight is your number. At AM is going to be tough. I don't think that AM team is going to be that good, but at AM is going to be tough. One thing that's on your side is history in that rivalry where road teams have won a lot more than the home teams. Yeah, until recently. It's yeah, the to last change. few years it started to even it back out. It started to change. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the most winnable game of the, uh, outside of those eight that I mentioned is at A&M. Mm-hmm. At A&M, I would say Alabama at home next, and then at LSU, and then Georgia. And, and then Georgia, yeah. Auburn Auburn does the, not want any part of Georgia this year, the, I promise. The, the 50 foot of whatever, <laughs> and then Georgia. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be rough. But we've got all summer to talk about what Auburn will be in 2023. We're out of time, though. Come back tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.